Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. And today I have Andrew Chen with Explo. And without further ado, um, Andrew, I'd love if you could introduce Explo and what you guys do over there. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Uh, thanks for having us as well. First off, I'm Andrew, one of the co-founders here at Explo. So super high level, Explo is an embedded analytics solution. Uh, what that means is if you need to provide any sort of analytics reporting within your own SaaS application, to your users or customers, um, you can use our platform to do so. That's a fully white-labeled solution. What you'll do is connect to an existing SQL database or data warehouse. You'll use our platform to build out the user experience, white-label it, and then embed it into your own application. Perfect. Uh, so what got you to where you're at in your career? Uh, what led you to uh, starting uh, Explo over there? Yeah, so taking a step back, um, first off, when I was in college, I went to school here in New York, uh, met my current co-founder, um, Gary. So it was sort of a typical, uh, not college roommate, but college floor mate uh, story. Um, so we became good friends. We all worked our own jobs after um, school. So I worked in consulting. Um, at that time, I really dove into a lot of analytics, uh, sort of, case studies and, and whatnot in a lot of projects. So I was able to use a ton of different data tools and analytics tools. At the same time, uh, Gary, who became my co-founder, uh, worked at uh, Palantir building a lot of different data solutions. So we both had a lot of experiences in the data world. So when we came together uh, just over four years ago to start a company, we knew that at some point, you know, we wanted to do something data related. Um, as to how we started a company, I think personally, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that was always part of the plan. I didn't know when or, or where that would happen, but I knew that um, I wanted to start my own company at some point. And I, I think timing just worked out really well. You know, we were both sort of on board with the idea of, of pursuing this startup. Um, we went through the Y Combinator program in early 2020 uh, together as well. So moved out to San Francisco. So, uh, we decided to really embark on this journey together. Uh, fast forward a year, we landed on the current Explo product idea. Um, again, typical sort of startup story, pivoted, tested out a few different products in the data space, really recognized the need for embedded analytics. Um, and then, you know, it's been sort of off to the races ever since. Perfect. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, YC is a great program. So congrats on getting into that. Um, so I guess, uh, what kind of data tools and processes uh, should businesses be aware of in 2024? Obviously, data is having an increasingly important aspect on every every area of the business, especially with the uh, introduction of real AI that actually works. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a few different trends in a data space, um, but in terms of you know where things are going in, just in terms of tooling, mm -hmm. you know, um, over the past, let's say, five, even 10 years, of course, there's really been a huge push towards just centralizing data, uh, getting that data in uh, a lot of times a centralized data warehouse. So, of course, the common names like Snowflake, um, BigQuery, Redshift, uh, we're seeing um, you know, a lot of our clients move towards those sort of solutions. There's, of course, tens of other solutions that are competing with those tools, but um, in, in general, you know, we're seeing still uh, that sort of migration towards a lot of 
disparate systems into more centralized data warehousing. So I think for any company that's sort of looking to better leverage their data and, and start, you know, thinking more about, um, you know, what it means to mature their data stack, um, that's typically the first thing that they look at. And then, of course, what's growing in importance with AI and, and with all of this data getting uh, sort of collected and, and centralized is um, a lot of sort of push towards more data governance, durability, data cataloging. So uh, you see a lot of uh, sort of tools pop up in that space and a lot of efforts dedicated to just making sure that that data is reliable, um, that it's interpreted correctly, that people understand it. You know, I, I think as we continue to get a wealth of data, it's just very important to make sure that a data is of a, a high quality, um, right? Because if that's not the case, then um, it doesn't really matter, you know, where that data is or, or how much of it you have. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the last piece, uh, and sort of where Expo comes in is around more or less data connectivity. Um, <clears throat> you know, once it is sort of centralized or you have access to that good, clean data, it's all about how you share that out to different stakeholders, whether they're internal stakeholders or external stakeholders. Um, so making sure that, you, you know, you have a plan for that as well. Like what is the end goal of that data and, and what are the sort of end users and use cases for uh, leveraging that as well? Yep. So uh, tell us a little bit more about how your platform works in terms of like what kind of data sources it plugs into, what does it do with that data and how does it work with all the different stakeholders? Yeah. So for Explo, we connect directly to most SQL databases uh, in data warehouses. We also connect to various uh, more or less SQL driven uh, platforms or semantic layers like Cube as well. Um, so we don't store or copy any data. We'll just connect to those existing data sources. Yep. On top of that, we offer a dashboard or report builder uh, configuration um, sort of application. So you'll go into our platform, and that's where you'll actually build out the interfaces that your end customers uh, would want to use. Yep. Once you've built that out, um, you white label it, you sort of customize the design, look and feel. Uh, we have a sort of security layer. Um, that allows you to embed security or securely as well. And then, of course, the last piece is embedding that into existing applications. We do have a few other sharing options as well. So if you don't have a, a SaaS app, you know, we serve clients in different industries as well. We can actually spin up custom applications or portals, as we call them, uh, for various stakeholders to securely see dashboards and reports. So that's really the end-to-end in terms of how Expo gets set up and, and how we connect to uh, existing data stacks. Nice. So you could work with uh, not only data that the company itself is able to provide, but also pull from external sources, then kind of combine those into uh, kind of one comprehensive data strategy. So we actually don't touch that second piece as much. Um, you know, there are other platforms, a lot of ELT platforms and whatnot that will handle more or less pulling mm -hmm. data from different data sources and do some of that data centralization, as I've uh, mentioned. Um, but we will connect to that sort of final uh, centralized data source. Um, we can connect to multiple data sources, but they would all have to be uh, databases and data warehouses. Um, so yeah, we can still connect to multiple uh, databases, but um, let's say 
you know, something that's common within a lot of startups that we serve, like say they want to expose data that they pull in from Stripe, uh, data they pull in from Google Analytics. Uh, we do have a few partners that will facilitate uh, connections to third-party sources and pull them into a database, but we would connect ultimately on top of that database. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, so w- what is the best strategy for a startup, especially cash-strapped ones, to uh, roll out a data strategy that could actually work for them? Um, obviously, a lot of them might not be able to work with some of the enterprise applications out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think this is something that our prospects and clients ask us all the time. And uh, again, I would just encourage everyone to sort of think about what the end goal is. You know, what do you really need in terms of data analytics um, and who are those end consumers of that? Right. I, I think that that's super important because there are so many data tools out there. There's so many options uh, some of them cheap, some of them very expensive. That just understanding exactly, you know, from the sort of uh, end goal first is really important. So, just to sort of give an example, um, and, then, and then I'll talk about, you know, how to sort of deal with the the cost um, piece as well. You know, for a lot of, uh, I'll just give the example of, of the SaaS, you know, B two B SaaS platforms. A lot of times what's really needed is a simple uh, sort of interface to know basic product usage and product analytics, mm-hmm. um, right? So for us, what we did was we set up a segment and we use Amplitude ourselves, um, both of which have uh, very helpful startup programs. So the initial entry cost is pretty low and it's a very simple, almost point and click uh, setup process um, to ultimately get some quick and easy you know, product analytics usage dashboard setup, right? And, and that's an example of maybe the one of the first things that we did at Explo to understand product usage. And that was super important to us. Other platforms uh, might not be looking for that at all, right? They might need to um, understand different sort of statistics and pull from different sources, uh, you, you know, and that's more important in which case other sort of ETL platforms and data warehousing solutions uh, with basic BI tools on top of that um, are probably the way to go. So it really depends, you know, on what you're looking for. Um, and based on that, you know, there's a lot of different solutions out there that can accomplish um, mm-hmm. those goals. You know, I think when people think about analytics, there's the, the BI space and the typical BI tools like Tableau, Looker, Metabase. Um, and then there's all these more specific tools um, like Amplitude that's designed specifically for product analytics um, mm-hmm. or especially vertical specific tools as well. And so just understanding uh, what you need first in terms of that and uh, maybe consumable product is is the first step. Um, and then in terms of, you know, helping startups with regards to just being, you know, more cash strapped. Um, again, as I mentioned, a lot of those larger companies will offer really, really great startup programs. Mm-hmm. Um, something like, you know, obviously the Amazon, the Google's the world will offer uh, something like $100,000 in credits. And, and essentially yeah. the first year or two can be free for a lot of these tools. Um, again, Segment, Amplitude, I believe they have their own startup programs as well. So definitely mm-hmm. always be on the lookout for those and you can get something set up pretty quickly. Yeah. You also don't need all the tooling, right? Um, as I mentioned, if you really focus in on what the tools are that you need. It could just be a few solutions that you need to get something stood up really quickly. And then lastly, 
you know, for some people, um, just going with open source products uh, are also a, a great option. And offer a lot of configurability, come in at a very, uh, you know, free almost price point in some cases. Um, so there's definitely a lot of products out there that are, uh, you know, pretty powerful tools that you can you can get off the shelf that are pretty cheap as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, a lot of them do have these startup programs in place because I would say now, <clears throat> if you're using them for all your data, you're kind of stuck with them at, at some point. So it's kind of a good onboarding strategy there. Um, and I definitely agree with your point about, you know, definitely tracking product usage early and often um, because, you know, getting to that stage of product market fit is so key for every company. And if you don't understand how your how your uh, customers are using your platform, where they're getting caught up at in the whole product experience, you could really, you know, that could really cause your company to fail very early. And that's most often why a lot of businesses, especially in the uh, SaaS space, fail, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, Expo, we also, we also offer a free tier as well that a lot of our clients are using just to sort of get off the ground and do some product uh, so analytics or internal analytics. Um, and again, that's not unique to, to Expo at all. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of these companies will offer free tier that are well suited for, for startups and, and what you might need. Um, and yeah, product analytics, of, of course, to, to sort of echo your point, are, are super important and just getting a lens into you know, what your users are doing, what's working, what's not, that's that's super crucial. Um, something that, especially when you're starting early on, is is absolutely helpful for driving a lot of product decisions and just understanding your users better. Got it. And um, obviously getting data from your customer is really important too. Um, you know, what kind of tips do you offer for people to ask, you know, actually ask their customers or request information from their customers in the appropriate way to, you know, A, because they, you know, they're more likely to do it if you do it in the right way. And then two, uh, obviously not overwhelming them and scaring them away from your platform. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think the easiest way is to think of it not as, you know, how much can I give from my early users or customers, but starting with, you know, how much can I provide to them, right? It's, if you provide white glove support and you're working with them day to day and helping them with every single ask, you're just getting that feedback naturally, right? You don't even have to ask for a dedicated feedback session, for example, or, you know, we can hop on a support call and, and they'll be giving feedback at the same time. So when we started Expo, and we do this today still with some of our enterprise clients, we will create dedicated uh, Slack channels you know, for, with a lot of our clients. And um, with that, really just work side by side um, with a lot of our clients through the sales and implementation process. So it really is more of a sort of joint implementation even than, you know, we're here if you type in, you know, support at expo.co and then, you know, we take a few days to respond. That's absolutely not the way that we or I think other startups should work with their clients. And if you do have that working relationship where you have a Slack channel and you work with them just like they're one of your colleagues, it's it's very easy to just naturally get that product feedback and understand uh, what they do like and what they don't like about your platform. And then, of course, even asking them for a quick feedback session is, is much easier. Right. So it's really, again, about just building that relationship first. And then um, it's much easier to get that information that's helpful for you know, your own company and, and product as well. 
Yeah, and you, it's good to do it incrementally too, right? So you don't ask for more than you need up front. Um, people expect certain things like name, email for sign up, um, but then they can, you know, as they get deeper into the product, they can add further tailor their interests and preferences accordingly. And then you could ask for more information uh, as they get more engaged with the product as well. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, you know, these sort of those, um, we'll call them automated uh, data collection and user collection and whatnot. And I think transparently, like we don't do much of that. And, and that's something that we could work on um, as well. But, you know, we've tested some of that in the past and that data is is helpful, but it's also sometimes just, you know, uh, transparently not super accurate, right? Yeah. There, there's nothing that replaces just having a conversation with your users and, and getting that. Um, obviously, there's biases, you know, both ways and, and there's no perfect solution. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of both, you know, it doesn't hurt to try to get some of that information uh, through forums and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, working with clients very closely is is absolutely the best sort of feedback you can get. Yeah, I agree. Cause there's a lot that comes out in conversations, you know, when you're talking to people, actually, I mean, even, even their mannerisms is sometimes not even the stuff that they actually say, but it's how they react to certain things. Uh, say you're, you're showing them a certain feature and they just show like a sign of like, what, <laughs> or like disgust or something <laughs> you're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this, this feature is not positioned the right way, or maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're not interested in this feature, but yeah, there's a lot more that comes out of those uh, direct one-to-one -one conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of marketers just like to throw surveys out there and just uh, look at a bunch of like meaningless in a lot of ways, like meaningless information because they just ask so many questions yeah. and then it, they don't have a good strategy in place from the beginning to really, you know, know what they're actually looking to find from, from, uh, from that data that they're collecting. And so it just becomes this hodgepodge mess of information that you can't really do anything with. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. I mean, we've tried again, similar things with, you know, different ways of data collection and whatnot. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, again, even like the reliability of that data is, is questionable sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's not perfect, uh, but it's worth a shot and worth trying and getting that information regardless. Um, I think, you know, it, it's just, um, yeah, understanding that uh, there are certain biases again and certain things that might be inaccurate. So, um, yep. Cool. So I guess, uh, what other data predictions do you have for 2024? And I guess what strategies will continue to gain more traction and uh, which new processes do you think will be introduced? You, you mentioned governance earlier. Um, you mentioned AI is going to play a big role into it, obviously. How do you see uh, companies evolving? Yeah, I think sort of similar to what I, I said before, there's still going to be a continued push towards um, sort of centralizing data. And then uh, what's going to be very important is data cataloging and, and more data governments and observability. I, I think that's, you know, again, there's so many tools popping up in that space as well. And a lot of them are focused around enabling AI. Um, you know, I, I think truthfully, from my perspective, a lot of tooling and processes will start to have AI in mind in the sense that they'll have to enable, um, you know, companies to leverage uh, AI more. I think it's tough to tell obviously and i think that ai obviously caught a lot of buzz over the past year or so yeah um, but i think we'll, we'll continue to see more of that more and more of that 
right? I think that will be a, a huge uh, topic still throughout 2024. But to sit here and say that I know exactly, you know, which directions that's going to go in or which use cases or which sort of verticals will see AI disrupt the most, um, you know, I, I don't think I have a, a great prediction there. Um, even from my, my own experiences, you know, when maybe let's say six, uh, eight months ago when AI started really catching a lot of buzz, you know, a lot of our clients and prospects were asking about AI. That died, that interest died very quickly after three months. Uh, and then it sort of came back again. And, and so it sort of goes in waves. And mm -hmm. we are pushing out a lot of features and testing for AI products ourselves. Um, so that's definitely super exciting for us. And we have a lot of sort of uh, you know, thoughts around where AI can be plugged into our platform and help our clients. Um, but, you know, I don't have a crystal ball into, you know, where exactly that will have the most impact over 2024. And, you know, what's going to be more or less theoretical and, and what's going to be, uh, you know, more practical. So, um, again, I think it's important for, for companies to keep in mind the uh, sort of opportunity that leveraging AI uh, has in, in terms of setting up the data, you know, taking that into account as well, you, you know, um, and sort of being aware of that so that let's say you do need to launch some sort of AI features, um, it's more or less doable uh, easy to implement compared to if you never thought about that in the first place, even if you don't think that AI is sort of in uh, immediate uh, sort of roadmap item. Um, so definitely, again, just more or less just keeping that in the back of your mind when you're making decisions around the data tooling and whatnot um, can be very helpful. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of people just want to <clears throat> rush out some AI feature, but they don't really think through, you know, what kind of unique data do we offer to uh, to write on top of the AI platforms like OpenAI uh, to actually mm -hmm. produce uh, a feature that's actually valuable to our end clients that actually uh, solves the problem for them. Uh, you know, don't mm -hmm. just throw AI at a problem just uh, for the sake of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what we saw, you, you know, over the past six months is every company was launching some sort of AI feature and whether it was yeah. helpful or not, you know, it generated some buzz. And, and that's why I'm trying to say, like, I have no crystal ball into, you know, which of those initiatives are real and what's going to really make an impact. There's, you know, tools that are AI enabled that I use that are super helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Others that I, I don't even touch. So, you know, I, I think that um, it'll obviously be a huge trend. Um, and something to watch out for. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, like AI startups that go nowhere, and then there's going to be a few that succeed wildly. So um, that, I think that's inevitable. I think the other thing around just uh, more or less like predictions for 2024 is that sort of along the lines of, of what we've been predicting, which is um, like data connectivity is going to be super uh, super important going forward as well. Um, part of the reason why we, we started Explo and we pushed on embedded analytics is we recognize the need for companies to share data outside their own organizations as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on internal analytics and, you know, allowing, when, when people say, for example, like democratizing data, a lot of times it's referring to ensuring that everyone at your company 
uh, is able to access that data correctly and, and quickly. But a lot of companies are thinking outside of that, right? Their clients are requesting data, their partners are requesting reports and analytics. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see how data is shared across organizations as well. I think that's going to be a huge trend that keeps on, um, you know, sort of pushing uh, forward and, and um, definitely a space that, you know, Explo is, is sort of set up to uh, disrupt as well. Definitely. And where, where do you see uh, security and privacy kind of playing into that as it opens up to more external stakeholders? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, it's going to be going to be tough. Um, and there's always going to be uh, sort of questions around, you know, data security and data privacy and whatnot. I think the, the first focus, of course, will be, um, you know, how do we make sure that data is secure within an organization, right? And, and then as you start sharing that out, um, how do we ensure that the right stakeholders have access to the right data and, and whatnot? And, you know, there's a various, there's a lot of different tooling that, that is coming out here as well. Like, for example, Snowflake um, has launched a lot of different products within the sort of data sharing uh, sort of functionality, um, you know, allowing people to easily distribute data and even sell data to other clients and providing that sort of security layer. Um, so there's a lot of tooling there as well. Um, you know, Explo again, is, is built from the ground up with that in mind to uh, be able to have idea of external, what we call user groups and different secure ways to, to share data with those groups. So I think that's going to be going to be super um, important going forward as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think like, for example, data governance, privacy at a sort of, uh, Know, global scale, of course, is, is going to be tough. But I think that um, the important thing is that a lot of data-driven companies have, have this top of mind. Yeah. Right? They understand that, um, especially over the past couple of years, you know, there, there have been, you know, concerns around data privacy and, and you know, you see these giant fines getting slapped on some of these yeah. companies all the time. And so people are definitely more aware of that. It's more, um, you know, top of mind even for these large companies to have, uh, you know, a lot of product collaboration with their uh, privacy team, for example, and in-house privacy council and things like that. So we will see a lot more product decisions and, and technical decisions, you know, sort of made together with, uh, you know, privacy teams, uh, which mm -hmm. I think is good. Um, but yeah, of course, as I mentioned, in terms of tooling, there's, there's definitely a lot of products tackling this as well. Nice to have a little red tape every now and then. <laughs> uh, what what kind yeah. of problems do you foresee with uh, automation and AI? Um, you know, obviously we talked about it a lot, but uh, do you see any problems with it as it becomes more prevalent across companies and society in general? Yeah, I think you know it is very powerful, and we've seen examples already with you know, let's just take ChatGPT and OpenAI, where. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can sort of recognize the the value that it could add, um, but I think initially it's really just sort of staying alert and um, understanding the sort of limitations of accuracy and whatnot, um, and, and not being over dependent on it. Right. I, I think that you know, let's say AI helps with some sort of initiative and gives you some sort of answers. Um, you know. 
I think that people are wary right now and, and that's good. And I think that over the next year also, also like not being over dependent um, is going to be crucial and not taking things just, you know, because, uh, you know, you, you sort of got some sort of AI response that says, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, I, I think that it'll become more accurate over time. It'll be more, become more powerful over time, but um, there really needs to be a sort of human in the loop still to understand um, and essentially double check um, a lot of what it enables. So I, I think that's going to be, uh, you know, super crucial um, as a lot of like automation and AI become uh, more widespread across, um, you know, so many functions that, that we uh, sort of have to, you know, do day to day. Just don't give them access to the nuclear code. So, <laughs> um, so I guess anything else that you want uh, potential customers to know about Xplo and why they should uh, choose your company today? Yeah. So yeah, just in terms of Xplo, so we're super excited about a lot of the sort of trends and and you know the uh, you know AI and a lot of the things that we just talked about in, in this call today. Um, at the end of the day, sort of where Xplo sits is. We really focus on providing the best sort of product experience for your end users and customers. So again, if you're looking to share data analytics with any of your users or customers, uh, we hope to, to help there. Um, you know, our product is designed from the ground up uh, for embedding, um, for product teams and product leaders. Um, so that's really where we see the most success. And you know, what we're focusing on going forward is enabling those amazing product interfaces, um, but also more around sort of what I mentioned around data connectivity and data sharing. We're seeing that going forward, sharing data with your clients, sharing data outside your company is going to be super important. And we really hope that Explo is the place you go for any of that. You know, whether it's creating those analytics experiences or uh, enabling you know external emails and, and email reporting. Uh, we're thinking about things like Slack integrations to share data with. Um, all those sort of areas are, are what we're focusing on. So um, definitely, uh, you know, would love to connect if if you know your clients are asking you for more data. Yeah, yeah we always need more data. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Andrew, thank you so much again for coming on today. Uh, for anybody interested in this amazing product, uh, you can check it out today in the Nacho Nacho B two B SaaS marketplace. Uh, we have it for 10% cash uh, cash back um, if you buy it today. So please check out uh, uh, Andrew's great company here, Explo, um, on Nacho Nacho, the best way to buy SaaS. Uh, once again, Andrew, thanks for coming on today, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Yep. Thanks so much, Andy. It's great being Thank here. You. you too. Cool. Uh, so.